This is the Cross Border Interview Podcast with Lori Massage. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, your host, as always. And today we are sitting down in the last week of the election with City Council candidate for Ward 9, Lori Massey. Lori, greatly appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm really grateful. So, Lori, uh, I'm assuming you've listened to the show before. Uh, you know that the first yeah. question out of my mouth for any candidate that appears on the show is the same as any person who comes on the show. And you're no exception. So the question is, <laughs> Lori, where does your sense of duty to serve come from? Wow, that's a, that is a good question. Um, I think my sense of duty to serve came from it. it specifically in politics at a very early age my mom worked on um the camp i kept many campaigns for a successful female counselor here in calgary and so i watched through that process how it developed my parents are very um i come from a very community focused family um they're both involved in volunteerism um for my whole entire life um and I, I feel like it is the right time for me to put my talents and strengths forward to potentially become the Ward 9 City Councillor. Now, uh, there's many ways you can give back. You can give back through nonprofit. You can give back through volunteerism. You can give back through charities. You can give yeah. back through business or just day-to-day generosity. You've chosen in 2021, as you've just alluded to in that statement there, that you've decided to run for Ward 9 City Council. What was that decision initially based on? You know, uh, the truth of the matter is, Chris, I wanted to run in uh, 2017. Um, and I was I, I lived in Ward 11 at the time, but I had some physical health um, issues and wouldn't allow me to do it at that time. I moved to Inglewood and um, I am really at the point in time in my life. I'm I'm single. I'm not married and I don't have children, you know, where I could actually successfully work 60 to 80 hours a week if needed. And, you know, from what I've heard, those sometimes are the hours required to be an effective city councillor. So I have the time, I have the space, I have the energy and the motivation. Now, candidates usually get into politics for one reason. They have an idea of what they want to change, what they see as the gap that is uh, that is happening at City Hall. Was there an issue that you identified, particularly in Ward 9, because you just said that you were thinking about running in 2017 for Ward 11, but in 2021, you've decided in Ward 9. So what was the issue? What was the final issue that you said, you know what? I can address this because my background, my uh, my 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 life story has my ability it gives me the ability to address this issue in the way that needs to be addressed at City Hall. Um, I I honestly would say the disenfranchised feeling that many Calgarians have. Um, and when I say disenfranchised, I mean a disconnection between uh, policies and decisions that are being made at City Hall versus the actual wants and needs of 
the people. And the engagement process is, is, is really not an elephant in any room anymore because people do feel disenfranchised and disengaged with, with City Hall. And so I, the skills I bring, um, you know, active listening, being able to participate, getting people from different sorts of groups at the table. So that's... No, understandable. No, because I I I I love when people are honest and they have to think about questions answers because that's why I don't supply you with a list of questions and I don't have a list of questions because it's going to be an honest to god conversation between two people. You talk about bringing those ideas to city hall and being able to address those issues. Now as a someone who loves looking at websites and loves reading platforms and where the candidate stands, you are no exception. I went to MasseyYYC.ca for those who are listening right. and watching. Check the show notes because they're right there. Uh, the link to Lori's email or website is there. In your priorities part of the website, you say making smart decisions, spending decisions, citizen uh, representation, complete communities, and mental health and addictions. These are your Mm. top four priorities that are literally right on the landing page of the priorities part of your website. When you're talking to residents of Ward 9, as you are door knocking, uh, uh, even during this pandemic and talking to your neighbors, Mm. are the priorities that you have laid out matching the priorities that you are hearing at the door when you're talking to your neighbors? Yes, um, actually they are. Because I would say the two things that re- resonate with people and that I'm getting, um, like, I, I'm not going to say kudos for, but I've moved mental health and addictions to spot number two, because really at the end of the pandemic, um, there's going to be, we're already seeing it, a tsunami of, of these issues like social disorders. So yeah, it's very near and dear and close to my heart. And it's something that I want to advocate very hard for. So let's start with that then, because this is the priorities. This is the policy and platform part of the show. Sure. Because this is the part that I enjoy. Mental health and addictions is one of the top things that the next council will probably have to deal with, especially mental health with this COVID-19, but also the uh, downturn in the economy for oil and gas a few years ago. Mm-hmm. What priorities and policies are you planning on putting forth if, if elected on Monday, October 18th, to ensure that everyone has a fair shot at potentially recovering from this pandemic, from the economic downturn, but also getting ahead, getting back to the quote unquote normal of pre-pandemic days. Mm -hmm. So the city currently has earmarked $25 million to their mental health and addiction strategy. Um, They've, uh, they've already, um, spent a lot so currently there's like plus or minus nine million dollars remaining and i we need to look for sound solutions so that we're we're seeing tangible results like and and outcomes from that money um and we also so it it was a one it's from what i understand it's a one-time um earmark 25 million dollars but we we can't stop like it has to that those sorts of policies and initiatives have to continue to go on. Like it has to be a maintained something um, that we just see continue. Um, That's really how I feel. And 
what are you planning on doing? What are you actually planning on doing? Because you can bring forward ways that you can help. And I'm assuming as you're talking to your neighbors, they're giving you ideas. Is there anything that you can do as the next city councilor to help people who are struggling with mental health addictions, who are struggling because of the uh, pandemic and the downturn and people living paycheck to paycheck? What can you do as councilor and what hope can you give to the people who are listening to this and watching this, who are thinking about voting for you, but going, I need to hear X, Y, and Z from her. And then I will cast my vote for Lori Massey. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, well, so that we, uh, we, there's a lot of local agencies that, that are services to, towards mental health and addictions, right? So I think streamlining the processes um, so that people know where they can go to get the help would be the first, the very first thing, because I think there's a lot of information and people just don't have one, um, one, one place to go to, to get the information or the resources that they're needed. So even just streamlining that, like there's a lot of agencies in this city and do people really know where they can go to get the help that they need? So that would be my first goal. I would also, um, um, see, this is a tricky subject because health is a provincial issue. So also it would be collaborating with the provincial government if we're going to maintain or continue to give funding to this on a yearly basis how can we maximize what the government of alberta is doing and what the city of calgary is doing and how can we maximize it so that we're getting so that the citizens of ward 9 and calgary as a whole get the biggest bang for their buck when it comes to those resources thank you that's excellent uh, i want to turn now to complete communities um uh I am someone who hates buzzwords. I hate when I see people use fiscal responsibility and then don't know how to back it up by saying, what do you mean by fiscal responsibility? Well, I'm going to be fiscal with your money. Well, how is that? How are you going to do that? (laughs) So I got to ask the question because you use two key buzzwords here and I want to make sure I get it on record what you mean by this because... You are the candidate. I'm the uh, interviewee or interviewer. So I'm going to ask. Interviewer? Yeah, interviewer, interviewee. Yeah. Anyway, what does complete communities mean? And how does it benefit Ward 9 communities to have, quote unquote, complete communities? Mm -hmm. So for me, a complete community is somewhere that you could... uh, so a lot of people talk about the 15 minute community, really a community, I a complete community in my version is a place where you can live, work, play and prosper and recreate, right? Well, live, work, or play is, is recreate. So that is a complete community to me where you can, um, you know, walk to go get your groceries, where you can walk to recreation or bike to recreation. So to me, that is what a complete community is. And I also say urban and suburban. So when I say suburban, like the the buzzword I really dislike is urban sprawl. It I really don't like that because I think that there's a misnomer about really what um, developers do and, and they've gotten such a bad rap. The word developer is big and bad. It's, it's really not all that bad, but so from a suburban standpoint, it, that, that would include 
administration and planning and potentially council working with developers so that they are building um, all uh, forms of housing so that there's affordable housing in there. There's commercial in there. So uh, like Quarry Park is a is a good example of something that we can see being built out. If we are going to build on the edge of the city, let's build complete community so that people don't have to get in their car and drive downtown. They're already living in a complete community. So in an ideal world. On this show, I love playing devil's advocate because I am the voter and I'm going to ask you the follow-up to that question. Complete communities is great. Understandable. I want I want to be able to drive 15 minutes or walk 15 minutes or bike 15 minutes to go to school, go to uh, get groceries. But in developed communities already, it's hard to uh, change the complete community or the incomplete community to a complete community in developed communities already. So how do you see working with communities who might have to drive a little bit longer to go get groceries or might have to uh, send their kids a little bit to another community to go to school? Because I think at the end of the day, I want to know complete communities is great to have, but at the end of the day, we already have communities built. So how do you make a complete community out of community that's already built? Okay, so um, the other part of complete communities also um, is, so I guess that question would be working with community associations and businesses and residents so that what, what are the residents wanting? What are the people, like let's use Whitehorn, for example, like if you could have your ideal community, what are the challenges to making it um, a place that you love and want to call home? Because really home is our sanctuary and we have to love where we live. We have to love where we live. And, you know, even recreation over COVID it's, it's so proven that outdoor recreation has increased people's mental health substantially. I live in Pierce estate park and well, not in it, but near it. And I'm, so I'm on the pathway system with Frank all the time. And that has literally saved me. So I understand that outdoor recreation um, or recreation in general is a very uh, big part of having a complete community. Um, so I guess it would be, I, that was sort of a diatribe, but I would say that I love it though. I love it. I love when diatribes happen. Yes. (laughs) It tells me that you like to talk and I love people who like to talk, especially for an audio show. If you did not talk, this would be a very short interview. So thank you for the diatribe. Wouldn't it be boring? No, but I I feel like working with the community associations to um, what, how can the city help the community become as whole and complete as we want, as they need it to be. And um, so what are the needs? What are the needs? What are you hearing from the community associations? Because uh, I'm assuming you're talking to the presidents of these community associations. And if you haven't, you probably will be. I haven't. I will be. (laughs) But let's let's talk about the ones. Let's talk about the neighbors in the communities that you've talked to. One of the things that they're saying that would make their community better and make their community a little bit more complete from your from their perspective. And you're they're telling you because you were there to represent them, which is going to be in the Mm -hmm. next topic. Topic, which is citizen representation, but I want to know what are they telling you that could make Ward Nine communities better? Do you know honestly the first uh, um, the the first thing that I'm hearing is safety. 
safety is a very big issue. Um, and, and so that, I mean, that is one of the things when you talk about a complete community, it's also like from an organic standpoint too, like how are the citizens interfacing with one another? Are, um, is it a safe place for um, people to be living? Uh, so safety is one of the things specifically in Ward 9 that I'm hearing. I was in uh, Bridgeland the other day um, speaking with a resident and um, I said, you know, what are some of the concerns that you have? And she said, we need to reduce crime. And you wouldn't think that, well, um, Bridgeland, because a lot of the in Ward 9 specifically, a lot of the social disorder has moved um, across the Deerfoot and out of Inglewood and communities like Bridgeland. So safety is huge. Thank you for that. Uh, as I just said, we're going to be talking about citizen representation now. Um, citizen, you are there to represent the, the people of your ward that elect you. So the people of Ward 9 will elect you on October 18th, and you are there to represent them. Um, why are you the best person? Before I ask the actual big question, how are, why are you the best person to represent the people of Ward 9 at City Hall? Because there is a large field of candidates who are running in Ward 9, and at the end of the day, you have to stand out. So what makes you the best person to represent the people of Ward 9 and their voices at City Hall? I think... Um, I would, I think it would be my skills of active listening. And when, when I, that's another buzzword, but really understanding where people are, are at. I, I like to call myself a, uh, like a, an investigator of human behavior. And so for me, that means let's get, where is this person coming from? Where is this person coming from? We're all gathering all the ideas and having and being able to make informed decisions based on that. What I've heard, I like um, I don't have any preconceived um, sort of agenda. Um, my big agenda would be working on the social disorder, homelessness, mental health and addictions and things like that. So I really don't have any um agenda going into this other than i think that the citizens feel that disenfranchisement and disengagement from city hall and i think that i am the person that can be able to collaborate with community associations with residents with businesses with stakeholders bring all of them together and then we we move forward in decision making from there now, now, now the big question, because this is the question uh -oh. I love asking ward candidates, because you are there to represent the people of your ward. Huh? So for you, it would be Ward 9. But at the end of the day, you are there to represent all of Calgary. You will have to make decisions not just for Ward 9, but all of Al all of the city. Now, this might mean from time to time, you may have to vote against something that your ward needs or wants, whether it be new pavement for a street, sidewalk repairs, whether it be a new field house, so on and so forth. How do you balance that? How do you balance the needs of your ward against the needs of the city? Because you are there to represent your ward, but any councillor candidate should know that you have to look at the bigger picture at the end of the day. How do you do that? Chris, I think that's a really important question. And I think that, um, I okay, like I know that I will 
probably be making decisions at one point in time where it's not to the benefit of the basically what your question was. But in order to um, uh, defend <coughs> that vote, be able to tell the story of how I arrived at that vote. How did I get here? Um, I think often like there's either uh, a no or a yes. Yeah, a vote and people don't know why it was why that vote was me. If I were to make a vote that was highly contentious, I would really want the stakeholders, say small businesses, let's say it's a vote again, something to do with Inglewood. I would then say, like, communicate outwardly how I derived at the vote, but, but um, and just let them know how what it's going to affect in the long term, what it's affecting now and why I made it. I'm not going to please everybody all the time. And I know that, but I feel if I'm transparent and honest about how that decision was derived, then I think people have a little bit more comfort level knowing why that decision was made. I am so happy when candidates and uh, my guests come on the show and they set up my next question so perfectly. <laughs> so, okay. Lori, thank you for this. Yes. You're welcome. As a politician, as a candidate, you will hear diverse opinions on a lot of issues. If you go door knocking right now on, and you go down your street and talk about one issue and only one issue, you will hear a different opinion on said issue at every single door, whether it be for it, how they want it to be done or how they don't want it to be done. Now, sometimes the opinions of your, the ward will contradict the opinions that you believe in. As the voice of Ward 9 residents, how do you balance that? How do you balance what your ward wants with what you believe needs to be done? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so happy that you asked me this question, Chris. Okay, so here's the first thing. And I heard this. Um, so I, I really don't like the word politician, like at all. Um, I, I, so I heard this quote one time. It says, people go into politics for one of two reasons, to be someone or to do something. And I am going, and I like to call myself a citizen advocate um, because really at the end of the day, that's my job. I, I can have opinions all day long about certain issues, but if it's not the opinion and the desire of the people I'm representing, I'm not doing my job. Okay. I'm not doing my job. I, I appreciate your answer. Now this, this comes back to the engagement part. And I, I love this topic. Yeah, yeah. I love this topic because it's, <laughs> it, 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 it goes to the core of why this show is happening. You can okay. communicate to the end of the earth. You can send out mm -hmm. flyers. You can do social media posts. You can do radio ads. You can be, you can go All the door things. to door. But there's going to be one person in your ward that says, well, I didn't get it. Well, I, I didn't get, I didn't get engaged. So why should it, why should it matter? This, the counselor doesn't uh, hear my concerns. How do you reach everyone in a day and age where we are so connected, but people don't want to be connected. Yeah, I think um, 
Ah, uh, it's interesting that you, I was actually thinking about this on my walk this morning and I'm like, how, how do we do that? And, you know, I think it's using as many of the resources um, for outreach as possible. Um, really work. Okay. So again, if, if it's an issue that is um, desirable to say Albert Park, let's just say Albert Park, for example, and I think it would be my job and um to a ha- attend the community association meeting, go to the community association meeting, let them know what's going on. And then they have outreach to their own citizenry too. Right. So I'm sh- the community Facebook pages, like, and really if, if it's that important of a vote, then get engaged, like learn, learn the things. I'm sure that as, um, you know, counselor in the ward nine office, I'll be getting, um, email lists and things like that. So communicating like, Hey, this is coming up. If this is something that you're really, it let's talk about it. So I think is as much outreach as utterly possible is needed for, and then really when that one person comes, we could say, these are the steps we took to mitigate you not knowing. So how can we do it better next time? How can we ensure that you get the information? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And and you know, you're right though. People like different forms of communication. I mean, I personally am not an email person. I, um, so that's not a form of communication that I'm great at. So I would make sure that I hire a really good communications liaison in my office who is going to be really good at email <laughs> and I won't miss anything. So, okay. So I've been hosting debates in the city for the last few weeks now. And the one question that always comes up, and it was even posed to a non-existent Ward 9 debate, which we might have because this is being recorded the very first day of February, and this is being released in uh, the last week before the election, so it might change. But the one question we hear all the time is, I reach out to my counselor's office. I don't mm-hmm. hear from my counselor. I hear from a staff member. I hear from a staff member and it's by email and it's about two weeks later. How do you be engaged? Because you, you like you said at the beginning of this interview, mm-hmm. you were going to be potentially working 68, 80 hours a week. How do you engage with all residents where they feel like they can still contact you? Because you are mm-hmm. one person and you are there to represent over 100,000 people. How do you do yep. that? How do you how do you balance that act of needing to connect with the people who you need to connect with, but mm-hmm. make sure people don't feel like they're not being heard? Right. Um, so, Chris, I've gone so far as to um, outwardly state how I would set my office up in Ward 9. I would because it is said there's 17 communities. It's a very, very large uh, ward. And so um, I would have take the ward and divide it in half um, probably population demographic ish wise and have one community liaison for each of those um, two wards so they are essentially triaging um, information that comes into the office you know um, I uh, and I also believe like um, uh, just everybody should be heard one of the doors I I knocked at in Southview she she was an older um, citizen and basically she said, you know, I've called the city 
for four years in a row to talk to them about this stop sign. And it's so it's a safety issue. But like, why is 311 not or what if she's calling the counselor's office? Why is why is that not being addressed? Why is she not heard anything? That's to me, that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. I appreciate Because when citizens when citizens take the time, it's oh. I could talk forever on the public engagement process, but I won't. Um, but no, don't do it. Do it, do it. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that when people, so her time is valuable and she's made the effort to, to, to outwardly communicate her concerns and nothing like to me that I, it's just not acceptable. And I also, I would highly recommend that um, not every call that my office gets say oh call 311 that's not the answer that um citizens will get when they call my office thank you we will move into the last priority that i want to talk about and that is making smart spending decisions uh, yes. and this is to quote your website i'll figure out where your money really goes before i ask the question what do you mean by that well, I'm going to take that those words back because I was on the city website just recently and they do say where our tax dollars are allocated. So that will be changing. However, I feel that as a municipality, as a city, our job is really to provide the core services to people. We need to make sure that those core services are prioritized when we're budgeting. When we're budgeting. I don't think that we should have just standard core services we should have um and like amazing core services so i do believe that so we need to be able to guarantee to the citizens that they're getting the best value for their dollar that's what i believe um you know uh the other thing is you potentially working um, with city administration and council colleagues to maybe we find creative ways to find efficiencies in the operating budget, um, ensuring that we're bracing for the future, i.e. inflation. Um, and, and we need to look at long-term growth strategies for the and growth and revenue strategies for the city of Calgary um, to bring investment here, to look at new sectors. So that's really what I mean by making smart spending decisions. But at the, at the, at the very core, at the very base level, we need to be prioritizing the core services and budget. So snow removal is something I hear about all the time, all the time. So, it's like it's like yeah. winter's coming or something <laughs> i know like um i want to talk about services for a second because yeah you know and i know that this city is in a financial strap revenues really? are not high, weird concept i know um <laughs> finance revenue is strapped people are not making as much as they are people are leaving businesses have left the downtown core mm -hmm. has a 30 percent vacancy rate which is causing detrimental uh, effects to our budget our bottom line yep. dollar um people are struggling to uh live day to day week to week and people are losing their house because of this as the next city council, you have major projects that are going to be addressed in the next four years. Green Line and the new event center that is being done downtown. How do you balance the growth and the pace of this city by not 
taxing the people of this city to the point where they have to leave or they potentially lose their house. Where is the balance for a councillor Massey to say, it's great that we have all these new infrastructure projects that we want to go ahead with, but we can't be doing it on the backs of the people who are here, who are potentially going to lose their house if we continue in the method that we continue to do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, like, uh, okay, so you, the green line, for example, um, <laughs> I, uh, um, it's being planned. The the first part of it's already kind of in, in the way I would, when I make decisions, I think you have to look at a cost benefit analysis. Are we going to get the revenue from the green line going south at this time versus where the ridership is? And I'm pointing up north, uh, central, where where the there is already the population and the density to um, to start gaining the revenue from it. So I, that's how I make decisions. I think you have to look at the cost benefit analysis of situations. How are we going to retain people? That's an uh, Chris, honestly, I don't have the answers because when I look at the situation that we're in as, as a city, so we need to bring investment here. We need, but the, and, and tech is, is something that is going to be in the future. So those companies that are going to invest in Calgary need to keep their talent here. And in order to keep talent here, you have to be a thriving, vibrant city. You have to have cool art scene. You have to have all the things. We don't have all the things, but we also don't have the investments. So I honestly, Chris, that is, I could talk for hours on this. Maybe when we go off the air, we can talk about this, but, um, So there really has to be a balance between how do we come a thriving, prosperous city and how do we retain people here? And Chris, I don't have the mat. I don't have a magic ball. I don't know the answer, but I do believe that thriving art scene, we do need a vibrant downtown, um, a core where people can go and gather and, and play. And, and maybe that's looking at, um, well, we need tax revenue from there. So, but, but maybe it's things like it. Co- so it does cost a lot of money to convert and retrofit a building um, to, <laughs> to, to become residential. But when I look at the downtown uh, core, for example, I of the 400 million that's been earmarked. I think we need to take a portion of that and put it towards um, safety. They took away the the police station downtown. We have there's uh, social disorder is downtown. There's drugs. There's crime. There's um, you know uh, litter. Like it's not clean. And so why don't we why don't we take a portion of that four million or four hundred million dollars and put it into transitioning folks into housing or some and working with agencies working with. Uh, private sector. So I don't have a magic ball. No, but I want to talk about safety for a second here, because you mentioned it earlier on about some things that the residents are telling you. Yeah. Um, I want to word this question correctly because there, this safety and the police are, it's a double edged uh, Mm -hmm. question that you have to ask here. Yeah. 
in today's society, we have seen the rise of the defund the police movement. We have seen the rise of the, we need better, we need to allocate our uh, the funding for the police to better services so that way the people can yeah. receive them. Where do you stand on expanding our police service but also acknowledging the fact that there are people in this city who feel like the police haven't worked for them. Yeah. Well, I, the, the term defund the police, I really dislike it um, as much as I dislike the word urban sprawl. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. The defund the police, uh, you know, police officers, likely become police officers to uh, prevent and um, stop crime from happening. I think a lot of the calls that the police services are currently getting are mental health calls. So again, bringing in resources so that perhaps, um, you know, each uh, police station has two um, social workers or psychologists or something along those lines staffed in their police uh, like in the police force so that when that call comes in that person can be deployed as opposed to um, a police officer you also mentioned there that the downtown city headquarters police (laughs) headquarters was removed Uh, i'm assuming you are hearing from the people of ramsey and inglewood that they would like to see a police station back in the downtown core are you advocating for that on day one if you are elected or in your first term if elected a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent i would advocate for that for that um, police station to be reinstated awesome i'm just looking at the time right now Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I have friends who live downtown and they're they're afraid. There is a lot of uh, they are. And this these are male people like they're not females who potentially, you know, are a little more vulnerable to actions of street level criminals. But yeah, men, men are afraid um, because there's a cost. There there's so much going on, Chris. It's really sad. But I think that please. Yeah. Um, As I was just saying, we are at almost Mm. the 40 minute mark and I still have one big section that I want to get out of the way because this is, this is the fun part of the interview for me. Oh, not the, (laughs) not the fact that policy wasn't, but this is the part where I get to learn a little bit more about who Lori is. Now, this is airing October 12th, uh, Tuesday. So we are, Six days away from election day, October 18th. Okay. Now, I want you to put on your magic time hat, and we're going to jump to 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock on election night. Monday night, you were declared the very first, you were declared the new councillor-elect for Ward 9. Wake up on Tuesday morning, Tuesday the 19th. What is priority number one for Lori? Oh, priority number. Oh, Chris, you know what my my first priority would be? And you you kind of alluded to it in one of your questions. You said you're you're going to be the counselor for Ward 9. But by and large, you're representing the entire uh, city of Calgary. So I think I would really um, connect with my uh, fellow counselor elects and, you know, have a meeting, find out what their priorities are, how our communities intertwine and 
um, get to know what they've been hearing for their areas and where can we can search and, and put our efforts together to start working towards a thriving Calgary. Now, as a business owner myself, I know that I have to put metrics into my into place to ensure that I'm successful. So I need to get X done by X date. I need to get X done by this date. And as a journalist, you know, if you don't hit your deadline by eight o'clock in the morning when an episode has to come out, you've not done your job. So yeah. I'm going to ask the question. Let's mm-hmm. jump forward 100 days into your first term. So this would mm-hmm. be February of 2022. What metrics are you putting in place that in 100 days, if I come to you and I say, let's sit down for your 100 day interview, because that's what yeah. I'll be doing with all the candidates. And I would ask the question, have you accomplished A, B, and C that you've identified that you want to get accomplished within your first 100 days? So what Mm -hmm. do you, are those A, B, and C? So I would say um, within the first 100 days to have met with uh, every single community association, every single BIA, BRZ, and like all uh, and actually to be perfectly honest with you all of the stakeholders um in each of my communities so that i can we can gauge where we're at what are the concerns and where we need to go so really um i obviously won't be able to talk to every single citizen but they have groups that represent them and i think that the stakeholder engagement in the first 100 days in every single ward 9 community is my key issue. Now, in order to get to October 19th, in order to get to the first hundred days for our follow-up interview, you need to get elected. So I do. I want you to take a moment uh, and look at the camera and talk to the people. I know this, the audio version, you can't look at the camera, but (laughs) talk to the people of Ward 9 who are listening to this. And I can tell you right now, we have a very substantial following in Ward 9. It seems like our Ward 9 candidates interviews do extremely well. So with that, I want you to take a moment, talk to the people of Ward 9 and tell them why, as long as you wish, you should be the next city councillor for Ward 9. So whenever you're ready, go ahead. Thanks, Chris. Well, Ward 9 residents, um, I think that you should elect me, Lori Massey, as your next city councillor, because I will be the person and the councillor to bring back the connection between you and City Hall. I will work for you. I will advocate for you. I will make decisions um, uh, based on the best interest of you. And I will put my whole heart, my my blood, sweat, and tears you will have for me. Thank you. <laughs> now, there is guaranteed to be one person on their cell phone right now listening to this in their walk, driving down the deer foot, watching this mm-hmm. via YouTube and yelling at the screen or yelling at their uh, car stereo or yelling at their microphone and saying, why didn't you ask this question? So for the people who are listening and who would like to know a little bit more about you, how can they reach out? How can they learn a little bit more or ask you the question that might decide that they might put their faith in you on election day? How can they reach out to me? Well, they can reach out to me on Facebook at Lori Massey forward. It's one word forward nine Instagram Massey forward nine and Twitter at Lori underscore Massey. And my website is MasseyYYC.ca. 
Awesome. Now to my listeners and to my viewers, you know what I'm about to say next. Um, the links to Lori's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, website are all in the show notes. Get out, get engaged, learn about all the candidates. And at the end of the day, I'm going to beat the dead horse until October 18th. Just vote, 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 vote. Even if you go in and just vote for the counselor and you may not want to vote for mayor, just vote. Vote for the person that is going to best represent you and your values and your morals on election day and for the next four years. There's a lot of elections that are going on on October 18th. School board trustee, counselor, mayor, plebiscite, senate, uh, referendums on equalization, referendum on daylight saving times. There's a lot of information you need to gather. Take 90 minutes out of your day and go out and vote. Lori, I want to thank you so much for doing this. This has been an honor and a pleasure. And I'm going to say this on the record because I want people to know. Lori, you're authentic. You're the real deal. I wish you the best of luck on October 18th. Um, and I look forward to potentially having that sit down interview with you 100 days from now. Thank you so much, Chris. Can't wait. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates.